Good morning and welcome to worship with United Methodist Church Westlake Village. My name is Rachel Tabutal and I'm the associate pastor here at the church. We're so glad that you found us this day and we hope that this time of worship is of blessing and of nourishment to you as we continue our exploration of the Beatitudes and Jesus' statements about blessed are. Before we transition into worship, I want to give you a few announcements. The biggest one is the fact that Lent is coming and it's quick approaching. We are less than a month away. So be on the lookout for news about our Ash Wednesday worship service, which will, again, take a slightly different form than it usually does. But we will gather online on February 17th to mark the beginning of our Lenten experience and to reflect on our our connection to the world, to God, and to eternity itself. And then during Lent, we invite you to join us in reading this devotional, Toward the Kingdom of Heaven, written by Amy Jill Levine. You've heard me reference her in my sermons. You've heard Pastor Walt reference her in his sermon two weeks ago. And my guess is that you'll probably hear him reference her again today. Uh, we're going to utilize this as a primer for um, for small groups. We'll be offering four small groups throughout the week, two in the morning, Monday and Thursday at 9 a.m., and two in the evening at 7 p.m., also on Monday and Thursday, in which you'll be able to sign up and participate and and engage in the reading that we're doing and what we're talking about in worship during Lent. We hope that you'll take the time to find this book online Order it and have it sent to your house so that you are ready when we step into Lent so that we can engage the Sermon on the Mount together and talk about what it might mean to our lives. Friends, that's all my announcements, so let us take a moment to center our hearts for worship. Today we continue with our sermon series focusing on the Beatitudes, that section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. These are the key teachings of Jesus that show us the scope and the texture of the kingdom of God and how we are to be, uh, how we are to become as we learn about it and draw close to it. Today we look at blessed are the meek and blessed are those who seek after righteousness. Let's pray. Holy God, be with us as we worship you and seek to grow in our faith by understanding and following your son's teachings. We seek to be faithful. Help our aspiration into reality. Amen.
Now's the time in our worship service where I'd like to invite the kids to come close to your screens, whether it's a TV or a computer, a tablet or a phone, so that I can talk directly to you and you can know that this is a time for you to talk about your faith and to think about how God is talking to you. Our Celebrate Wonder curriculum today is talking about love and Jesus's invitation for us to love not just those that we get along with, but those that are difficult to love. Now, you may want to talk with your family about those people who are difficult to love in your life and find ways in which you can hopefully make things better between you and them. Because the scripture and Jesus says, it's easy to love those who think like you, but we are invited to love everyone. That's a little harder to do, isn't it? The people that we're mad at, sometimes it's hard to love our brothers or sisters, but it's the love that keeps us coming back. Maybe there's someone at school that you don't get along with, whether you're online or in person. And how do you continue to be nice to them and to show love even when it's hard? That's what Jesus invites us to do. And I invite you to talk with your family about some of the things that you can do to show love to those that you don't necessarily get along with. Mark and Maya and I have a tradition and some of it came from uh, being in places where we couldn't always talk as freely or we'd be across the room from one another, but we wanted to let each other know that we were thinking about them. You guys probably know this symbol, but we do, we send the sign of I love you to one another when we can't say it so that even when the words aren't there or they can't be heard, we remember that that love is there always. We have a God who loves us always. And when we see this sign, it's a reminder, not just that our parents love us or that we love our parents, but that our God loves us too. And God loves everyone. And that's why we're invited to love everyone as well. So our challenge this week is to think about who might be in our world who we need to shine some light, some kindness, and some love to so that maybe they might be reminded that they are loved by a good, good God. Will you guys join me in prayer? Let's take a moment to talk to God. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for tomorrow. Thank you for loving us. Help us to show your love, even when it's hard. Amen.
Please join me in prayer. Awesome and almighty God, we greet you this day with praise and thanksgiving for the fact that your spirit is moving around us, inspiring us, reminding us that there is light in our lives and that you invite us to be that light. Help us to see the ways in which you are moving us forward, inviting us to take the next step of faith and to live lives that bring glory and honor to you. Help us to see how we might move through the world as people who represent you, knowing that we are bright, brilliant, beautiful children of God, but also that we are invited to be humble, to be meek, to let go of arrogance so that we might pursue those things that are holy in your eyes so that we might continue to build your kingdom here on earth and to see the ways in which the veil is thin at those moments where we bring glory and honor to you, where the kingdom of heaven is not just some element in the far off future or at a different realm, but can be present here on earth this day. Allow us to seek your righteousness, to embrace being meek, and to recognize how we continue to evolve and grow as children of yours, living your light and life for the world. As a faith community, we continue to lift up Elaine Fay and her family in prayer as they mourn the passing of her mother this past weekend um, at 101 years old. We celebrate the great life that she led, but we still grieve her passing, especially recognizing that COVID had an impact on it. Lord, be with Elaine, be with her siblings as they learn to walk in this world without their mother's light and presence tangibly there for them. We continue to grieve and mourn and adapt and change to the realities of the coronavirus as more and more people are suffering, getting sick and passing away. Our hearts break that over 400,000 people have passed away from the coronavirus here in the United States. The truth is, Lord, that it's getting closer and closer to us all of the time, where we know loved ones who have contracted the virus, who are struggling to make their way through it and to come out the other side healthy and well. We pray for uh, the Tabby Tall's babysitter, Susie, who is has been in the hospital fighting the coronavirus. We pray for Pastor Walt's former parishioner, Jean Blickenstaff, um, who also has COVID, and all of those names and people that touch each of us dearly. Be with them. 
that they might know your presence, might know your peace, regardless of what their particular situation and place in the healing process might be. We pray for our community, for our nation. Uh, we had a transition of power, of leadership this week, and we ask that we continue to seek peaceful and safe leadership that is bold, that is courageous, that continues to shine your light of love and light in the world. Lord, for all of those leaders of our nation, of our cities, of our states, of our world, let them listen to you. Let them be guided by your word, inspired by their faith, and empowered to bring about your truth. As we live in the world, give us the same courage and optimism. Let us be all in for living out our faith in ways that are profound and transformative and continue to bring about the kingdom of God. We pray all of these things to you and bring you a moment of silent prayer to lift up the prayers that are on our hearts this day. O oh Lord, hear our prayers as we join together in saying the prayer that your Son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Take time to be holy, speak oft with thy Lord, abide in him Above. 
Our scripture reading today is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 5 through 6. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, we are back on the mountainside overlooking the Sea of Galilee, sitting at Jesus' feet, listening and learning. Many have already experienced or at least heard of Jesus' prowess at, at healing maladies of the body. Now attention is turned to the maladies of the soul. The world is not Eden. Society, not the peaceable kingdom. People recognize the disconnect and yearn for transformation. And Jesus, they sense that they are seeing how things could be. Learning about how things should be for them and for the world. He speaks of an inbreaking of the kingdom of God. Their attention is focused, their hopes are kindled, they are hungering and thirsting for a more, for a better. Could the prophecies from Simeon and Anna that we heard at Christmas time, could those prophecies at this rabbi's birth be true? In him, was there salvation? Will there be the redemption of Jerusalem? 
Might the proclamation of John at the River Jordan that the kingdom of God is at hand in Jesus be manifest, really, in this rabbi from Nazareth? He talks of God's sovereignty, set loose over all, awaiting people's awareness of it and awaiting their adoption of it. The more it is embraced in the soul and in the life, the more present and dominant it becomes. The crowd is hearing, it is realizing, as we do also, we moderns, that when God's sovereignty rests more fully on people and their communities, new opportunities are presented. Lives change, societies reordered. The first becomes last, and the last becomes first. So these gathered at Jesus' feet, these folk, they look at their worn sandals, they look at their meager meals, their ragged cloaks, their empty futures. And they wonder, is he actually talking about us, about me? Does God care even for me? May there really be a place for me in this kingdom of God. And might that kingdom really put this mess of a world into rights? Our thoughts have been racing to make sense of Jesus' statements too. Blessed are the poor, those that mourn. We looked at last week, and, and this week now we hear, blessed are the meek, and blessed are those who, who seek after righteousness. What does Jesus mean? Let's think about it. Stephen Westerholm writes that the word meek means uh, those who want no part of the world's pursuit of power. Those who want to become like children and serve others. Meek is humility. It does not mean without power or authority, but rather a judicious and compassionate, a non-exploitive use of power and authority. John Stott, in his book Beatitudes, writes that meek means gentle, humble, considerate, courteous, and therefore exercising self-control without which these qualities, well, they would just be impossible. Now, we, we might typically think the opposite is true, that the meek get nowhere, that they're ignored, that they're ridden roughshod over by the arrogant and the overbearing. Yet we gain our inheritance, we're told, our blessing, not through might, but through Meekness. Meekness is a true view of oneself expressed in attitude and in conduct 
with respect to others. This makes us gentle, humble, sensitive, and patient in all our dealings with others. Now, Jesus is seen as properly meek and humble this way. He's our model. We do not see an arrogant or a pride in Jesus. Think about it. As, as Paul writes in his letter to the Philippians, Jesus is a humble guy. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and gave him the very, gave him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's Paul's witness from Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Jesus models humility, illustrates what is herein called meek. You might recall him saying, all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus' reward for humility becomes our reward. A great blessing. Kingdom membership. Our inheritance on earth. Only the meek, those who would not use the inheritance to reinforce their own already privileged position, are worthy to care for the land. Amy Jill Levine writes, Inheriting the earth is not a windfall, but a responsibility to be treasured, to be cared for as a steward. It takes meekness humility, to see properly your place in creation and your interdependence with others to build together, to live out together God's will. Selfish, arrogant people need not apply. So as we mull over this beatitude of Jesus, blessed are the meek. We are led in our thoughts to ask the Lord to, to show us relationships and situations in our lives in which we are being proud or harsh instead of humble and gentle. And we pray God to help us 
alter those things. That we might not be cast aside with the present condition being our end result, but rather brought along with Jesus into the kingdom of God. Our other beatitude for today is the one that goes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Now this is less confusing, I think, since its meaning is straightforward. We don't need to rehabilitate an old word to a modern meaning. We know what hungering and thirsting after righteousness mean, right? Or do we? Since we live in a time that disputes facts and what's really true, let's consider the word righteousness. In Scripture, there's three kinds of righteousness, I suppose. There's, there's one that's called, what you might call spiritual righteousness, that's being justified, uh, justification, uh, being put into right relationship with God. Surely Jesus means this when he talks about those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, there's another one that's called, uh, you might call moral righteousness, and that's an inner holiness of heart, mind, and motive. And if you think about it, Jesus talks about inner righteousness a great deal. Um, so I, I think we need to say when he's talking about righteousness, he means this kind of righteousness too. Spiritual righteousness and moral righteousness. There's a third righteousness that, that you might refer to as social Righteousness. It's a commitment to justice and mercy and compassion in the community at large, an external acting of righteousness, not an internal being of righteousness. It shouldn't be news to you that Jesus is big on caring for the least of these. So I'm guessing he means this kind of righteousness too. So we understand Jesus as saying that the direction we are to head in our lives, the way God's sovereignty works among us all, is that those who, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, spiritual, moral, social righteousness, those folks will be filled they will be satisfied. They will receive what they heartily seek. Jesus promises our soul's yearnings will be filled. This is good news. This is good news since so many tire of the effort. They give up the good fight. They compromise their faith to get by, to the peril of their soul. Jesus says, stay the course. Run the full race 
in Paul's words. It is worth it for you. And frankly, it's worth it for the world. We need this spiritual appetite, this hungering and thirsting of our soul. We need it to, to keep us forward-looking, to keep us moving forward in our lives, growing into our better selves, those beings that God wants us to be. You know, and think about it. If we are conscious in our own lives of a slow spiritual growth, the reason just might be that, that we have a jaded appetite. It is not enough to mourn over past sin. We must also hunger, hunger for future righteousness. Pray, dear friends, that your life will increasingly reflect God's righteous character. That the mind of Christ might be in your mind. You know, at the inauguration eve ceremony held at, I guess it was a Lincoln Memorial reflecting pool, featuring uh, 400 lights to represent the more than 400,000 Americans who have died from COVID-19. God rest their souls. Nurse Lori Marie Key sang Amazing Grace. A frontline nurse assigned to COVID-19 unit at St. Mary Mercy Lavania in Michigan. Key decided one day at a shift change to sing that hymn to her co-workers in an attempt to uplift their spirits. Who does this? Who does such a thing as this? I would suggest that it's people who have been touched by God's light and are driven by that spirit of God to reflect that light back out into the darkness, into the world. Kingdom people do this. The humble those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They do things like this. Sing amazing grace into the breach of emotional terror and exhaustion over a pandemic to bolster the souls and the spirits of the workers. You know, we can let Jesus' words be seen as sentimental and not practical, not pragmatic. 
Or we can trust the Lord and live into Jesus's words and show their truth and their wisdom. This is God's way. I invite you to walk with God, friends. Lean into the kingdom. Live the Beatitudes. They're the way, God's way. Amen. We come to the time in our worship service where we have the opportunity to respond to the blessings that God has given us in our lives and to the words that we have heard this day. We have the opportunity to say thank you and to give back so that we continue to do the good work of building the kingdom of God. Before we receive the gift of music, I invite you to receive this message from the leadership of our church. Hello, I'm John Dawkin, and as we begin this special message, it's important to remember the mission statement of our church, which says the United Methodist Church of Westlake Village is a caring Christian community that welcomes everyone in experiencing the loving embrace of God, nurtures one another, and reaches out to the community and to the world through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We, we are the church together on the corner for 50 years. And we long for the days before COVID-19. You know, it's been nearly a year since our togetherness was taken for granted. And we do miss that feeling of connection, the hugs, the singing, and the smiles. We do, however, need to follow all the protocols to keep everyone safe and healthy. Gatherings on Zoom and online worship have helped to keep a portion of the congregation connected, but those are obviously not the same as face-to-face -face greetings, nor are they as meaningful to everyone. Unfortunately, our number of participants and our financial support have decreased significantly during the past two years for a variety of reasons, such as families moving away out of the area or some to other churches, societal upheavals, uncertainty about the future of the United Methodist Church at large, and then of course, the pandemic that has shut down sanctuary worship. Now, giving has dropped so much that even with receiving substantial government PPP, payroll protection plan forgiveness loans, there is an expected 2021 
budget shortfall of about $100,000. Actual total income for the past two years and the anticipated income for 2021 without including either PPP loan should give you a clear picture of the budget problem. Now, staffing expenses make up about 65% of the church's annual budget with pastoral salaries being the bulk of that amount. Therefore, a change in our clergy staffing will be needed unless significant additional funds are pledged. Cutbacks were initiated in 2020 with the elimination of a full-time position, the Director of Youth Ministry and Christian Education, but that has not been enough. Our congregation has risen to the occasion before to fund facility renovations and new technology equipment. And that same generosity is needed now to maintain adequate clergy staffing. And to support our various ministry programs for all ages beyond July 1st. Now, to carry out our church's mission to be a welcoming congregation and nurturing followers of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, we are asking for special additional contributions from our congregants to fund this $100,000 shortfall. This is a tall undertaking in today's uncertain environment, yet now more than ever, we need to retain more than one full-time clergy position in order to maintain and develop strong and meaningful programs for children, youth, and adults. This news of our present situation might come as a surprise to many of you, but this is our current reality. This is certainly not what we envisioned as we look to the future during our 50th anniversary celebration just a year ago. In order to remain a vibrant presence in our community and to set a course for a better life, we must now adjust that course. We are called to be faithful disciples and to trust that God, working through us, will bring a good outcome. We must not grow weary in doing God's work. What will you give back to God from the blessings that you have received? The church is not a building. The church is a people. This is our church, and its future depends on all of us. As it says in 2 Corinthians, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Please check your Friday announcements and the February covenant for how to make your pledge.
On behalf of the Church Council, we thank you. Well, that's it. We're so glad you joined us in worship today. Blessings upon you for being a part of this with us. Our world, our country, well, they are, we are struggling to find our way forward. Through our faith, we know the way forward must include peace with justice. It must include mercy, compassion. It must include grace and love because it's God's world and we are God's children. God's kingdom is built on these noble attributes. Our opportunity to be a part of this kingdom depends on our embracing them as our own and extending them for others. So, dear friends, follow the Beatitudes in your life and Jesus will help you along in this journey and get you to the right place. Go in God's grace and love. Let it overflow your life and extend to others. Be safe, stay healthy, and know that you are loved. Amen.